Welcome to the Making Space Podcast. I'm Jen Pillipow, and this show is dedicated to bringing awareness to our habits and their root causes because I believe that with awareness comes choice, and with choice comes change. And as a hypnotherapist, I know how much our subconscious minds influence us, but as a human on my own healing journey, I also know it's not always just about mindset. I understand how important integration and embodiment is and how those terms can feel confusing and hard to implement. These are the themes that I like to unpack in this show. This is season three, and I'm joined with my dear friend and colleague, Jennifer Kelly. Jennifer is a professional development trainer and positive psychology coach, and together we're exploring the effects of people-pleasing from our own perspectives, experiences, and circumstances. We hope our conversation sparks some insight in you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Inner Child Reparenting Workshop, now available on my website. If you have trouble with boundaries and saying no, if you have a harsh inner critic and unreasonably high expectations of yourself, if you're highly anxious and you worry constantly about what other people are going to think about you, and if you continually ignore and distract your intense emotions and your needs, then these are all signs that your inner child could use some reparenting and you are the best person to do this. This workshop will help you connect in, actively reparent, and work towards honoring and accepting this part of you. And by connecting into your emotions, you're embodying while releasing old belief systems, making space for fresh new perspectives, choices, and change. This workshop is available now, and you can get the link in the show notes or visit my website at jenpillipow.com. Also, if you are interested in a people-pleasing workshop delivered by Jennifer and I, we would love to know. So head over to the show notes, submit your interest, and let us know that we should get on creating that. And finally, if you're liking this show, please hit subscribe because this does help raise visibility so that other people can find it too. And that would mean so much to us. Let's go to the show. One thing that has been coming up that I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. I wonder if Jennifer knows, <laughs> and that's, you know, as you're, as we're making boundaries with people, as we're being more authentic and not people pleasing and just like morphing into other people and kind of what they expect or what you think they expect, there comes a really uncomfortable part of it. And that's, being open to not being liked, right? Like, um, getting comfortable with people not liking you and you admitting that you don't like other people. So for me, I have a really hard time with that. And that's another thing that I wanted to talk about is expectations. Mm -hmm. I, I think I've had this expectation that I should, and now that I'm saying it out loud, it's making sense <laughs> that I should get along with everybody. I should like everybody. Everybody should like me. And that definitely sounds like some childhood programming, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's not true. And, and I'll even say to Roger, as he's going to daycare and school that, you know what, you don't have to like everybody and not everybody's going to like you. And that's totally okay. And, you know, you and I have had conversations about how, if we're not letting in these people into our lives that, you know, don't totally suit us, then we're making space for the people that we do love and do love us and accept us as as exactly as we are. And Mm -hmm. if we're not 
if we're just, you know, people pleasing all the time, then our lives are getting crowded with people that don't necessarily belong there. And so how do you deal with that? (laughs) I know. I mean, I'm experiencing the same thing. There's this feeling of everyone should like me. I'm, I'm doing this checklist in my own mind. And I just feel like the outcome should be guaranteed. But then when I really look at my list of sort of how I would behave or interact with someone, some of it is genuine. Some of it is my natural personality and I, it's authentic. I feel it's authentic, such as listening and caring about people. I feel like that's authentic, but then there's our, there are these hidden items on the list (laughs) um, that I think are pure people pleasing. And one of the items on the list is saying what I think people want to hear, agreeing when I actually disagree letting the person have the impression that I agree. And when I try to unpack that, what is it? And I think it's because in my mind, well, if they don't like or respond to me, it must be my fault. Yes, exactly. I've done something wrong. I'm not good enough. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You said something that piqued my interest right away outcome guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's such a, uh, for me, it's so common to try to reach for that form of control and try to control things that are totally out of my control, like what people think of me. Um, but that sense of control <clears throat> gives me a sense of safety. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it's false safety. It is. It's, it's not real. And we're creating like a simulated environment almost like, you know, is this really real when we're actually setting up the conditions to be liked and accepted so that we can not have to go through this uncomfortable dialogue we have with ourselves when they don't, Mm -hmm. i.e. this is my fault. What have I done here? I've done everything right. I should have, you know, this should be working out. Mm -hmm. So we're setting up the conditions and to go back to an earlier episode, we're setting up other people Mm -hmm. and that's not authentic at all. Mm -hmm. So then I think what's behind all that is pure fear. Yeah. A hundred percent. And a lack of Mm self-acceptance. Well, and that goes hand in hand. It's a fear that the way that we are is not enough. It's not good enough. And there is no, there's, there is no acceptance in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, what do you do in these situations where like you will be around people? They, they do have a place in your life, let's say. So let's say, um, Uh, so having kids, when they make friends, you are naturally around those friends, parents, right. And we may not always get along the same way that the kids do. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting dynamic. So they need to be in your life at a certain level. And if they don't like you, or you don't like them, or usually that's a two-way street, you know, how do you manage those dynamics and those relationships? And another thing that comes to mind is, is family, because, you know, sometimes with families, there is a toxic enough relationship where you do need to become estranged. I I totally understand that, but sometimes it's just, you know, people 
don't know what they don't know. And so you stay in their lives because they're family and there's certain aspects to it. Um, and you know, you weigh the, the good and the bad, but there's, it's still a relationship that you need to manage and you may not like it. And maybe they don't like parts of you either. And so how, how to be in that discomfort? Mm-hmm. I mean, my instinct is to say, you know, it's a lot of conscious self-talk, but I also feel the word conscious is probably the most important, mm-hmm. like just fully present in the moment and recognizing your own inner dialogue yeah. and yeah. recognizing it. And then that awareness can hopefully bring a different way of responding or thinking, but that's really mm-hmm. difficult because we're overwhelmed by the stimulus first of other people's energy and yep the dynamic there and then the conversation and whatever's at stake, i.e., you know, you have to interact with Roger's friend's Mm -hmm. mom, (laughs) you know, you want that to go well, or you're interacting with a colleague or whatever example. So you're overwhelmed by the conditions and the stimulus. And you're also, I think, or, or, and I'm the same, we're also overcrowded with our instinct to people, please, and to be smiling and to be likable. And there's so much clouding our mind that it's really hard to miss the self-awareness piece. Yeah. How do you be conscious in the moment when all you're, you know, when all you're thinking about is, okay, what do I need to say here or to do here to respond in a way so that I'll be liked? There's so much going on, right? It's really overwhelming. And what was coming to mind is um, triggers and expectations. So when we're triggered, so for example, in those situations, when you're with somebody and you have this relationship where you feel like you don't like them or they don't like you, we just talked about why that's so triggering, right? There's something wrong with me. I must be doing something wrong. How do I fix? How do I people please my way out of this? And super triggering, right? But then you, what you said is really key and it's having the awareness around that because the more awareness you can have around that and what it's triggering in you, the more you can allow for a pause with that trigger. And then you're not reacting people pleasing with reacting, you're giving yourself space to respond. And in that way, when you're able to respond, you can respond in a more authentic way. And I think that, you know, part of that pause for response is just around checking in with the body and recognizing what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? What information does this feeling have? What does it even feel like to be in my body right now? Like, what are the sensations? Mm. And, and, and there's so much growth from that alone. And then maybe the expectations can start to shift. And then maybe the triggers aren't so triggering, but it's, that's a journey, right? Like that's not something that you just do and you decide in your mind one day, (laughs) like, I'm going to do this. I mean, that's a little bit of, of patience and practice. Yeah. And you just said the words about to say practice and this quote from one of the instructors on the Lesmans Plus app um, said said something in one of the workouts. It was like, if you want to get better at something, you practice that. If you want to do 
better punches, you practice punches. And she kind of listed it off. And that's immediately what sprung to mind. If we really want to commit to peeling back the layers of this behavior and being more authentic and choosing a more authentic response, we have to practice that what I think is a skill, being conscious, slowing down, responding versus reacting, consciously being aware of how our body feels, what thoughts are entering our minds. Like it requires consistent, diligent practice. Mm -hmm. And that is difficult to go back to a point you made earlier with all the stimulus and then the trained instinct to be out of the moment and instead be focused on, now what can I say here so that the person responds to me? And it's really hard. It is. It is a skill. And, and like you said, it's, leaving the body, right? Like you immediately, when you're triggered and you immediately go to that subconscious pattern of, okay, like, how do I, what do I need to say to get this person to like me? That is, that's the trauma response. That's the trigger. And so to build the skill, to learn to pause and to work through that and get back in the body, instead of just immediately leaving your body and going to your head or subconscious programming, yeah, definitely a really good skill to, to practice and work on and to work on when there isn't a big trigger. It's hard to, it's hard to just pick those moments to practice that skill, right? It's like, you need a bit of training, just like training for a marathon. You need to, to practice when you're not under that stress. That's a really good point. You know, to add to that, something that occurred to me yesterday really brought a lot of this home and it was a people-pleasing example, but I'll tell you about it in a second. But one thing I learned to think about for the first time on this journey is consider the risks of people-pleasing. We've been looking at the risks of not people-pleasing. We focused a lot on that, right? What if we choose not to people-please? Like, what's the risk of that? We feel uncomfortable. We risk the person disliking us, right? We focused a lot on that. But yesterday, I had an experience where I was taught, I guess, the hard way of the risks of being false and inauthentic. And when you do this in a business or work situation, I realized you are taking a big risk. And that's exactly what I did yesterday. And I I had to unpack what happened to really try to recognize what triggered me because I feel like you have a better sense of that than, than I do. I feel like I can't see the trigger until after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But essentially, I was with a client in the morning. And then that afternoon, it was the same client, but I had to meet the CEO and a director and I'd never met them before. So there was the element of the unknown trigger one. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I went into this meeting and the first thing I noticed was that they had a really authoritative presence. So right away, I I felt a little bit intimidated. And how I responded to that was kind of acting. So, you know, I'm straightening my posture. I'm trying to look really confident. And I'm not saying that that's not valuable to sort of fake it till you make it. But right away, I was put off by the feeling I got like, okay, I better be smart and capable in this moment. That was my thought process. These individuals are very smart and intelligent. They're high ranking individuals. I better perform. So right away, you can see the pressure I'm putting on myself, the perfectionist mindset. So we talk about the particular contract and it gets to a point 
where they ask for my opinion on something. And at first I responded authentically. I said what I thought. And then the person next to me had a different thought. And without even realizing it, I found myself agreeing with her and then justifying that and basically selling a false idea to these individuals. (laughs) And they caught me. And one of them said, you know, I think it's the other way around. I know it's hard to, I'm not filling in the details, but one of them basically caught me and was like, it's interesting that you say that because isn't it supposed to be this? And then I had to scramble my way out of it. And I went home that night and I spent, you know, a couple of hours unpacking this. It's like, why did I do that? I let myself immediately become the shape of someone else. And it's risky behavior. You risk somebody spotting it and calling you out. You risk being looked as inauthentic and um, basically someone who can't be trusted. Why do we do this to ourselves? I know. Well, I mean, you have amazing self-awareness to be able to pinpoint all those different layers of it and all the different moments and even going so far as to be able to pinpoint a thought, right? Mm. Um, But it, yeah, it is risky because we can never know or predict what other people are thinking. And so it is a bit of a guessing game and, and remembering, and I'm curious if you were able to bring this in, but to have a lot of self-compassion, because the reason why we are like this, I'll speak for myself. The reason why I am like this is because I learned that this was how to be safe and that this was how to operate in the world. Nothing, uh, nothing different was ever modeled to me or taught to me until very, very recently. I'm in my early forties. <laughs> that is a long ass time to be doing something one way. And then to all, and, and, yeah. you know, and not really being my fault, right? Like that was the way that I was introduced and, and taught. And so having a lot of compassion for that. And this makes me think about um, the parts work that I do with clients where we have all these different parts of us that we create because as an, in, as a small child, we start to create these personality layers because it's what we're being taught. It's what we're being shown. And that's how we think we need to be in order to stay safe and stay in the family dynamic and be cared for and be loved. And so we do all those things and it's super adaptive. It's, it's helpful for us in the moment. It helps us kind of make sense of the world and grow and continue on. It's just now it's become maladaptive. And so I'm, I guess what my pitch is, is that I'm hoping that we can have compassion for ourselves and that this is a skill that we created in order to help us grow and be safe. And mm-hmm. now we want to change that. We're seeing the world in a different way. We have more information and that's going to take some skill and some practice. And we are most likely going to fall back on what we know. And that is totally okay. The most important thing is the awareness. What can we learn about ourselves within it? What can, what do our feelings show us? I mean, it's amazing that you came home and sat for a few hours and unpacked it. I think a lot of people, and I, I can speak from my own experience years ago. And what I would have done is just gone home and drank a bottle of wine. (laughs) This will fix it. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's a healthy approach to something that we learned when we were young and, and growth comes from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. I mean, we've talked about this, like the, the importance of the self-love and the self-compassion through this difficult process. 
and you know, we're hard on ourselves too. And I mean, I'm also a perfectionist. I have these high standards of how I should be as a professional. And then when I, you know, violate these standards for a people pleasing instinct, I've developed from childhood from my mother, (laughs) it's disappointing to me too. And it's, and it's startling, you know, it's, I feel like it's, I don't know. I, I mean, I knew I had this, But I think also the reason I noticed it so acutely is actually from our talking and and breaking all this down over Mm. our last few episodes. Honestly, it's been so beneficial because I think I noticed it really acutely more than I would have normally. It's almost like I've been accepting that I'm a people pleaser, connecting some of the dots. But you and I have been really working on this for weeks now, Mm -hmm. right? Like just through talking it through and sharing techniques and strategies that might help us, I feel like we have been working on this. And I really noticed that strongly. So even though I didn't respond in the most healthiest way, I didn't meet my total goal of responding authentically. I recognized it more sharply than I ever would have before. And I could label the behavior because remember back in episode one, I said that like I do these behaviors, but I didn't realize it was people pleasing until you had said something to me. And I was like, that's what it is. So now that I feel like I can identify with the behavior and we have shown each other what it looks like inside of us and in our self-talk, I felt like I could really sharply recognize it. And it's like, I knew it in that moment. I could feel it. Mm -hmm. And I found that helpful. And now to go back to your point about practicing, the next time I can just practice doing, being conscious and kind of slowing down that instinct. Yeah. And, And the way to do that is just really connecting into your body. That's the most authentic thing you can ever do truly because your body and your feelings, they don't know how to lie. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I think to go, that actually links with your points on self-compassion to me, like we have to accept that we're feeling and reacting in a certain way and that that's okay. Yeah. Right. Um, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's yeah. okay to feel intimidated or nervous or wanting to please the other parent. Like it's okay to have those emotions. Mm-hmm. So I almost feel like if this was a step process and that's my teacher instinct, it would be like maybe, a, you know, conscious awareness and then self-compassion, Yes, you know? Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, there's just so much growth in your experience. And, Mm. and that's available to you because you were able to bring awareness to it and just have a look at it and understand what you might want to do differently. And it does sound like you brought in some compassion, right? Mm. Yeah. Really only today though, (laughs) (laughs) you know, last night after I spent, because, you know, because I gave some information or feedback that wasn't authentic, I ended up spending like three hours trying to prepare documentation. So I really learned, I think the greatest takeaway was the risk, the risk of when you do this and being really careful because that's not fair. And we've talked about this to the other person. Mm -hmm. It's not fair 
if when we're not being honest and our true selves, if our only concern is people pleasing, that's, I feel like it's, there's an ethics there too. And we have talked about that. Mm -hmm. Okay. That brings up something else that I've been thinking a lot about. Um, and it's, it's when somebody else has had a painful experience and, or a painful life experience or circumstance, and not allowing them to take that out on you. Interesting. Yeah. And so I was reading something online and this person said, the truth of your pain, which you are entitled to hold, feel, and experience does not, should not come at the expense of those around you. I had a thought about how, when something is not going right for me, like with work or whatever, if I, if I, or if I feel sick or if I feel stressed and how I take that out on Tim Mm. and how I allow other people who's had a a difficult life and how I let, I have let her take that out on me. And something that you said just kind of made me think of that where it's like, I'm not doing her a service by that. Because what that's actually doing is allowing the pain to spread because now I'm in pain too. And when I'm in pain, I take it out on Tim. (laughs) That's so insightful. It's like a domino effect. It is. But then I, I get to thinking about how, is it right? I know it's always right to set boundaries because we set boundaries for ourselves, but what if a conference, if the person doesn't have the ability to tolerate that kind of confrontation because their emotional maturity is at a completely different level. And so these are some of the things that I've been kind of grappling with. Right. And and I've talked to many counselors and therapists and a lot of the counselors will talk to me about radical acceptance and, and I, and you and I have talked about it before too. And, and how sometimes a shitty situation is just a shitty situation and that we need to accept that. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. And, and something that kind of surprised me about learning about radical acceptance is that it's not passive Mm. because I think that was my real hesitation with it. If I'm just accepting it the way that it is, then how am I growing? How am I? learning, you know, because to me, like, that's the whole point. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's really insightful. You know, I think too, that, you know, when we're, I guess, interacting or dealing with personalities that are challenging to us or that, that trigger us or bring up things or who are not at the same emotional maturity level, I think that it requires a lot of not just, you know, the classic elements, empathy and compassion, but also a lot of discipline to commit to having that. And I, I think it's always thinking about, well, what brought them to this place, like we do with ourselves, and then extending that onto the other person. So they're behaving this way because of this, this and this. Mm -hmm. And I think 
we can do that. But then when the behaviors are repeated Mm -hmm. and then it becomes difficult for us and then we get upset and then we involve other people because we're upsetting them. Mm -hmm. And I know it's like, I don't know how not to cross over to that bridge. Mm -hmm. Like if the person is just bringing up a lot for us or it's just Mm -hmm. someone we don't want to be around, Mm -hmm. then maybe it is that the radical acceptance. And in that, I think the relationship maybe has a chance to get better. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that brings up a couple of things for me. So something that I've been learning about is how empathy should come after boundaries. And the reason for that is I need to know where I begin and where I end so that I don't just take on the other person's stuff how, what is my new expectation, knowing what I know now, knowing what boundaries I need to hold so that they can stay in my life. And maybe the radical acceptance is around that. Oh, interesting. That That just clicked in for me. (laughs) That feels like an aha moment. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think I was thinking of the radical acceptance to be like, to accept the situation and to accept them for where they are. And definitely, I I could definitely use a lot more of that, but maybe it's also just the acceptance in these are my new expectations based on what I need. And that's another big thing that's been coming up for me is because there's so much around boundaries is being able to ask for what you need. And I can't tell you how much I've struggled with knowing what I need because it immediately gets muddied with, well, they can't give me that. That's not part of the process. I I can still express a need and they can still say, I can't meet that. And that's not my business. That's not my part of it. That's not my responsibility part of it. My responsibility is to know what are my needs. And I've had a really hard time pulling that apart. Yeah. And that's not going to be natural to you either, right? I mean, what do you think at the core people pleasing is it's ignoring our own, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. This is very similar, right? This is not an easy thing to do and it's going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And And it's just been, so the exercise that I've been doing with myself is every day, sometimes setting an alarm to remind myself just to sit quietly, check in, what do I need right now? Mm. And I don't always know. It doesn't always come right away. And when I think about certain situations where I want clearer, better boundaries, I sometimes don't know what I need because you know what? A lot of the boundaries that are being crossed are emotional and mental. And what was I as a small child growing up completely gaslit for all my emotions because nobody around me knew how to handle them. And so I was always told that I was too sensitive, go to your room, figure it out, come back when you're better. And so when somebody crosses a mental or emotional boundary with me, it's like, I just go into freeze because I'm like, oh, this is where I people please, right? Not what do I need right now? (laughs) What do I feel? Is it okay to feel that? (laughs) None of that. Well, we haven't like any thought process or skill, Jen, like you need to be taught that and given the opportunity to see someone modeling that and practicing it. And we're like you said earlier, we're only doing that now. Yeah. 
So, you know, there's like a long time <laughs> trying to rewire mm-hmm. how we approach these situations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also think too about the self-compassion, like we are trying our best. Yes. You know, I, I do feel like both of us are genuinely empathetic and caring people. We feel people's emotions for a reason because we're so in tune with people. I think we try our best. And some circumstances and some relationships are just not going to work mm-hmm. <laughs> because of external conditions or because mm-hmm. of the things that have happened in the other person's life just may be too difficult to be yeah. rewritten. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then there comes that acceptance, not only of them, but acceptance of yourself that this is yeah. not going, you know, and, and it's yeah. so hard. You know what? I've noticed something though, over the last few weeks, as I've been practicing self-compassion, that a little goes a long, long way because I had never practiced self-compassion before. I'm, I'm, I'm still a recovering perfectionist, still really high expectations, really highly critical of myself. It's taking some undoing and there has been a big block to things like self-compassion and funny enough gratitude. And Mm. And the, and so I've, I haven't been able to practice a lot of self-compassion. It's been coming in really slowly. And I am absolutely amazed at how a little goes such a long ways, even just saying to myself, like, I'm doing the best that I can. And, right. you know, it's, it's, it's leaked over a little bit in the way where, um, like I've, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I've been pretty hard on Tim for his parenting style. Like I've done a lot of parenting coaching and classes, and I've really had to work on myself to show up, to be the parent that I am today. And, um, Tim has different focuses and interests and that's not what he wants to be spending his time on. And that's okay. It's not that he's a terrible parent or anything like that. He just has a different style. And some of the stuff I think just knowing what I know about the subconscious mind and and children and things like that, I I will definitely put my foot down and I'll be really hard on him about it. And I just realized that as after giving myself some self-compassion for a few weeks, I I just had this voice in my head one day out of nowhere being like, you're really hard on Tim and you never tell him about all the good things that he does, how he spends three days to put together Roger's new bunk bed, how he makes sure to play football with him every day. How, when Roger talks to him, he gets down on one knee. So he's eye level, like he does all these great things. And I never mention them. And I always just tell him about all the bad things that he needs to fix to be perfect. (laughs) And so that shifted for me. And I was like, wow, you know, that, that wouldn't, that came in because I started to have compassion for myself and Mm -hmm. I started to have proper expectations, not that we all need to be perfect and to start to be less judgmental and more curious and more pointing out the good stuff in myself or others. And it's completely shifted. And I have not been practicing hard. (laughs) Interesting. That that's pretty incredible that it shifted (laughs) that much, like given that Mm -hmm. not as much practice. And I wonder if some of these things require more sort of skill practice and then others just come kind of natural just through you know yeah well that so when people come in for hypnotherapy I always tell them there's one of of three ways that we experience change and sometimes it's immediate 
like they, they open their eyes after the session and you can tell it's shifted. Sometimes it's retroactive where it's been like three months and you look back and you're like, oh, this is different. (laughs) And sometimes it's cumulative where it's like a bit of back and forth. And I think that can be true for any lesson that we're working on or any growth that we're experiencing where sometimes it comes fast and clean. And other times it's, there's a bit of an iterative feeling to it where it's like you take two steps forward and then you take five back and then you're hard on yourself. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that's just part of the process. Mm -hmm. And maybe being grateful for the times that it is a little bit smoother and easier, but, you know, I wanted to go back to something you said and, and how you approach at times Tim's parenting style. Like it reminds me of like the needing control bit, like, you know, cause I, I do that as well. It's like, I need to see it this, this, and this way. Mm-hmm. Right. And when someone is not operating in yeah. my <laughs> Jennifer created rule system, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me because I think it's that, that control. And, and I, and again, it's the sense of safety. Like we want things ordered and, and I, I can't speak for what piece of it is for you, but for me, it's like, I need this order because it's familiar to me. It's comforting to me. It provides me with safety. And then the other person is, you know, I'll look at it. It's like, they're, they're violating it when really they're just different. They just have a different way and style, which is okay. (laughs) So is that also radical acceptance working towards that? See, while you're thinking about it, wait, I want to, I'm just going to read what radical acceptance actually is the definition, because that really helped me. I'd love to hear it. It's when you stop fighting reality, stop responding with impulsive or destructive behaviors when things aren't going the way you want them to, and let go of bitterness that may keep you trapped in a cycle of suffering. It's a very powerful definition. So it's like when you, when you stop being, when you stop reacting and you can start responding. So my instinct there is to like, what, what are the strategies though, to doing that? I guess the same thing we've been talking about, like when you were sharing and I was like, amazing. And you're like, no way, Jen, I feel like we've done some of that with the people pleasing. I think we've come up with, you know, cause this is just where my mind goes as a curriculum developer. I I'm already like pulling out the themes and I can see at least four strategies we've created. <laughs> so it's, you know, we're, I feel like we're kind of doing that, but it's unique to us. It's not universal. Right. So I feel like with this, it's like, yeah, but how, but anyway, you were going to say something. It looked like you had a, another aha moment. Uh, I don't know. It went away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so what I'm wondering is, is our need to, I guess, control or have safe, comfortable situations is that something distinct from people pleasing? <laughs> is that, or, mm, you know, because to me that feels like, well, I, um, I, I try to think, well, where's that coming from? Like, mm-hmm, why is that mm-hmm. there? <laughs> and I almost feel like it's separate for me, but maybe that's an illusion. I don't know. Um, I think it's the birthplace of it, of people pleasing. Okay. Interesting. If, yeah. If I think to, okay. So when we are first born, we come out, most of us generalizing here, but we babies cry when they're born and they're not thinking, oh, I shouldn't cry. This is a quiet hospital. I should be right. We're born 
knowing inherently we're good enough, our needs are important and valuable. And then as we're kids, any sense of uncertainty or lack of control or helplessness or fear that we're not going to be accepted is so deep and so primal that we think subconsciously at that age, we'll die if we don't fit in, if we don't do as we're told, if we don't modify ourselves to be good enough for what people are telling us is good enough. Exactly. So well said. So we start creating these personality layers, covering our authentic self, which doesn't feel safe so that we can have control. That's amazing. Yeah. I never really thought of it like that before. And you know, when you say that, that really resonates with me. And also I get like a flash of Mm -hmm. certain moments in childhood where I think I had that type of scary feeling like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and like, I remember how scary it can be to be a kid sometimes and having a child of my own brought all this up to the surface for me. Whereas like, I couldn't not see it (laughs) before, but now, yeah. Um, but the really good news is, is that no matter what happened in the past, we can never change the past, but we can always, 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 always change the meaning that we placed on it. We don't have to move forward with what we thought as a small child. Like we don't know anything as kids and we're Mm -hmm. making all these assumptions about the people around us and about ourselves. And we're also just taking on other people's truths without any discernment or choice, but as adults, or analysis or or analysis. Exactly. Exactly. It's just like, oh, you're telling me that the sky is purple. Gotcha. Sky is purple going forward until we decide that we can go back and change the meaning. Because Mm -hmm. as as adults, the best thing that we have is choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In order to get to that space, though, where we're consciously choosing, (laughs) I think comes the other things first, the conscious awareness of what's coming up. And when we're slipping into old behaviors, the self-compassion, and then the deciding, I, I know that I have the opportunity here to change how I'm viewing this. Will I accept that? Will I do that for myself? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that the pure foundation of it all is awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's a really big difference between judgment and curiosity. And the more curious that we can be, the easier the path will be for us to say, okay, I've been thinking about this as black and white, as it has to be this way, one choice. And especially if we have these perfectionistic traits, right? We definitely do the all or nothing. And then just reminding ourselves that, listen, I'm going to give myself four other options and choices here of what I could believe. And I'm going to feel out which one is the best because I get to decide. I like that. It's very empowering too. It kind of puts us back in the driver's seat, which might exactly, which might match our need to control, but in a a healthy way, I'm clapping. In a, in a healthier way. Yeah. That, and that's the empowerment that lends to so much healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a good reminder that everyone 
there's a foundation to all behaviors and not everyone has also been given the gift that we have, which is a natural tendency towards self-analysis and self-awareness. And I think to have those qualities, you have to have a certain, I guess, development um, that was, what I'm trying to say, like, or a certain maturity. And some people don't always arrive at that because of external circumstances. Yes. So in a way, when we're being difficult or hard on them, it's like, well, they haven't had the opportunity to even know what self-analysis or self-awareness is. They're operating from a place of X because of this, this, and this. And I do believe that. But when the person, again, is loading us up with their challenges or difficulties, or we are feeling affronted by their behavior, like it's so hard. I I often think it takes incredible mental discipline to always keep being curious, remembering Mm -hmm. the possible reasons why they might be behaving like this. And I also think it takes deep, authentic compassion, like earlier I said that you and I think we're very compassionate and I do, but there are certain individuals, you know, that are just going to trigger a different reaction in us. And that comes back to the radical acceptance. And I think radically accepting that doesn't mean that we can't also remember some of these tools. I think when we radically accept, we become more open to thinking differently. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And so you said something that I just wanted to get some clarity on because I, I don't think radical, radical acceptance means allowing yourself to be trampled on. I think there's still room to set boundaries, even with people that don't know what they don't know and would be hurtful for them because the boundary is still for you. Um, that's a really good point. I was about to say my word of the day. Amazing. <laughs> <But> <laughs> But that's a really good point, because I think that's something that I struggle with. It's like, there are times when this person's behavior is harmful to me, Yeah. regardless of their motivation or their yeah. foundation or the reason. Yeah. There are times they are committing a harmful act, whether intentional or not. It's yeah. harmful to me. Yeah. And that is just as valid. So it's mm-hmm. finding, I don't know if it's the middle ground or setting you know, the, the marker in the sand, but I think that's such an important point. It doesn't mean this embracing, oh, they're doing this because of this. And I have to be compassionate and understand because that just spreads the pain, right? Yes. Like to come back to what you said earlier. And I also wonder when I hear myself say it, is that like, not people pleasing, but another form of denying, like, yeah, because it's just, feelings. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly that it's denying your own feelings. And whenever we deny those own feelings, our own feelings that we're not able to be authentic, we're not even able to practice being authentic with ourselves. Right. Because again, our feelings, our sensations, they don't know how to lie. They just are, they're our inner truth. And the more that we can check in with that, the more aligned we will be with our truth. If we learn to listen to it, which is hard. Cause I mean, if you're like me, like I've been ignoring it for so long because I was always told that it wasn't a good thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was told similar messages, but I think the motivations maybe been or different in my, in in my family. Right. But the very similar, I think this is something we should explore a little further 
Yeah, I'd love to talk more about it and uh, and share some examples of where I've been setting boundaries and how that's been working and yeah, with certain family members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to do the same. Well, for me this week, I would like to continue with, well, a, a tool or a strategy that we had mentioned in earlier episodes, which is that I am trying to pause before I automatically say yes, before Mm -hmm. I automatically leap. I've been trying to take a pause and I'm doing better with that. So to go back to, you know, when you make room for this, things actually get easier. And I think we talked about this earlier, like it makes things more stressful <laughs> when you try to people please. <laughs> yeah. Or in my case, I'm saying yes, when I know it doesn't work and then I have to cancel and it yeah. actually makes things more stressful. Yeah. But this week when I paused and, and chose times that were appropriate for me, I could then, it was like a weight was lifted off me. Like, right. I don't need to now get out of this this morning. Not that I'm always doing that or frantically, you know, it's authentic. <laughs> And also when you got back to me with the time change, because it, there was a pause, you didn't get back to me right away. I could tell you had thought about it. I trusted your answer. Exactly. And I, I think that connects back to something I said earlier about how there are risks to doing, to doing this. Yeah. People may not always then trust you. It doesn't mean like you don't care about the person, but there's a lack of like, oh, is she going to follow through? And I get that, right? And I think it's important to think about that, um, that how, and that's just something, again, to circle this all back, that was really brought forward to me this week, the the risks of doing that and how, you know, I just, I want to be fairer to myself mm-hmm. and then I can be fairer to others. Anyway, I don't, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I, I'd like to keep going with that. And I'd also like to practice more conscious awareness. What about you? Because I know for you, different insights came up this week that were a little bit, no, not outside of people pleasing, connected to it, but not total people pleasing, like the realizations you've had with the family member and radical acceptance. So what do you think you'd like to think about this week um, or possibly practice? Um, so for me, I'm continuing to unpack healthy boundaries because I, I feel what I've been doing is I've been making boundaries by just taking action. I haven't shared with them why I'm doing it. I know it's hurtful to them but they won't bring it up. They won't confront. They're not confrontational people. And so I'm leaving it up to their own devices to think whatever they want. And I think that's not right either, but I also need to balance that there are some things that I shouldn't say because I don't think it's helpful. And I don't know, this is where I get all tangled up. So next week, maybe we can talk about boundaries. Yeah. And and maybe I think you got the first step, which is the awareness. And I think, you know, what might be in a healthy way, which is the boundaries, what it looks like, I think is to be determined and something that you're going to be thinking about and thinking through more. And I know this is something that you've been struggling with for a long time. Yeah. It's it's been years. (laughs) Yeah. So when, when there's those types of situations, I always look like to me personally, and I'm just it's like, okay, what has worked well and what is not working well? <laughs> you know, what has worked for me in the past that I think I can probably continue with? Mm-hmm. What is it that I know is 
not yielding results for me or the dynamic. Mm. And then maybe it's that acceptance piece Mm -hmm. of, right? And what have I not explored or tried yet? And just kind of working through each practice or strategy that you tried or thought approach or mindset, you know, what yielded some result, what is not working. Yeah. It's like, yeah, analyzing when, when it goes on for so long, it's like you almost forget that it's, I've tried to deal with this before. Yeah. Right. And it's almost like going back. Okay. What did I try in the past? And kind of looking at that. How did I feel when I did that? Can I create my own way of, managing and that's exactly it and a good place to end off 